Hold on to your butts. Hello and welcome to episode 92 of the Reviewed Movie Podcast. I am Ivan Kander, and I am joined by only one of my debonair co-hosts today, Dave Glanz. How you doing, Dave? I'm good. Hello, gentleman. Gentleman. <laughs> and this is the podcast where we talk about classic movies and see if they hold up when we watch them today. Um, yeah, Mike's not here because he's, I don't know, getting ready to get married or something like that. Uh, we haven't done an episode in a while, but as I've said multiple times, my goal is for you to think that the podcast is dead. And then at the very last second, rising from the grave. We suck like, it out of your brain. Like Uma Thurman and Kill Bill, using the exploding chest technique, we're going to rise from the grave. Paula Schultz's grave? That's a good trivia question. What's the grave in Kill Bill 2? Uh, you know? I think you're right. Yeah, Paula, Paula Schultz, I think. Um, we come back and talk about movies. Um, yeah. So um, on today's episode, Dave and I are going to be uh, talking about the 1997 movie Starship Troopers. Stand by. Attention on deck. This is for you new people. I only have one rule. Everyone fights, no one quits. If you don't do your job, I'll shoot you. You get me. We get you, sir! Welcome to the Roughnecks. Ratchets, Roughnecks! Okay, so this movie's gonna be actually kind of fun to talk about, I feel like. Because, okay. um, I mean, there's, there's, there's this narrative with this movie, right? Where Starship Troopers, it's based on this novel... Um, uh, Robert Heinlein that I've never read and it came out in like the 19, late 1950s like it's a real yeah. it's an old sci-fi novel mm-hmm. it's picked up by um, Paul Verhoeven to direct the filmic adaptation uh, he makes this movie it's a big budget movie in 1997 this movie cost 105 million which is a, a, lot. Lot, of a lot of money because I mean an Avengers movie now costs like what 150, 200 like so I mean, probably more with marketing. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like in 1997, money 105 mil, a lot yeah. of money, and this movie comes out and just kind of doesn't do a lot at the box office. It gets trashed by critics. 55 million dollars, <laughs> not that much money. Um, so it just, it, it's it was basically considered a big fa- a failure, but then it had this big cult following on um, DVD, and it's also since uh, spawned multiple low budget sequels. Mm. It spawned. Uh, uh, was there anim- a TV show? No, there was. was Stargate. No, there was a TV show. Oh, there, uh, was? there was an animated TV show that I distinctly remember being on when I was like 13 or 14 that lasted for a season or two. Wow. And then now, they, I think just this past year, there was a new Starship Troopers movie. It was an animated, purely animated feature. So hmm. this property still exists and has this big following. But that's not even the most interesting thing about it. Um, the movie... All right. Well, let's back up here. Yeah. Do you like Starship <laughs> Troopers? You know... Not that much. Even now, I'm I'm watching it now. I feel like oh, okay. I realize it's, it's it's become a cult classic, and people are talking about it now as if it's some un- misunderstood masterpiece. You know the way that uh, you know comparing it to RoboCop and Total Recall, his other Paul Verhoeven's other big science fiction movies at the time, which is probably why he was given this kind of budget because he had a lot of hits under his belt. I mean, Basic Instinct, uh, RoboCop, Total Recall. Um, 
and then of course Showgirls, which was you know when, was, when was Showgirls? Showgirls was before it came okay. out the same year seven. I remember. Okay, so that was a huge bomb. <laughs> that was a huge bomb. Considered one of like the now it's considered one of the you know the best bad movies to watch if you like bad movies. Um, but Starship Troopers is not considered a bad movie anymore. It's considered a, a good satire and. I feel like it's a more interesting movie, and we'll see. I think it's a more interesting movie to think about and talk about than it is to actually watch. Sitting there and watching it, I was like, ah, I get it. I get why this sat, why this is satire. I get why this is funny. And you know, maybe I'll, I'll watch it again sometime and I'll, I'll change my mind about it. But I, you know, I, I watching it this time, I thought, okay, I, I understand what he's trying to do with the satire here, and I, I can see it, and it, some of it works. Uh, and I can understand it's I 100% understand why audiences were turned off by this movie one it's super gross two it's hard to tell if he's taking the material seriously or not I mean it's it, I think with the benefit of hindsight we think that okay yes he he clearly sees this as a satire Paul Verhoeven and um, maybe the writer um, but uh, I can you know do you agree I mean can you understand why audiences were like what the I, I don't a, know if I can recommend this to my. I band. have a very conflicted relationship with this movie because okay. I initially saw it in 1997 in theaters. Mm-hmm. So Me too. I'm 12 years old when oh, this movie comes yeah, out. It's horrifying. And I just think, like, <laughs> let me give you some backstory here. The Brain Book. I mean, come on, that'll no, give you nightmares. Well, I saw this at a friend's birthday party, mm. and the mom of the friend had to get permission from all the parents to see the movie from all the he's like like we're taking you know 12 year olds to see an r-rated movie yeah and why it was like a big deal like for us to go see this movie like my parents had to sign off on it like this was everything. like a, this was in the fall right this wasn't like a summer movie this was, no I, yeah actually distinctly i just i remember like i i vividly remember this experience going to see it in the theater mainly because i'm 12 and i'm immature and this is the best movie for a 12-year-old ever. Oh. And I mean on a literal level, not a 12-year-old's not going to understand any of the satire of this boobs. movie. Uh, but it's got boobs. Yeah. It's got blood, it's got gore, it's got cool sci-fi special effects. Yep. It's got pretty cool action sequences. Mm-hmm. It's it's like tailor-made for a 12-year-old. The problem is 12-year-olds aren't in on Verhoeven's joke and I don't think I got his joke until and I was in my mid to late twenties. Like it, it's, I, I, I enjoyed this movie on an earnest level, mm-hmm. like an earnest, like this is mm-hmm. a good action adventure movie right. until like now, which is, which is kind of sad a, that I didn't understand that, but this is supposed to, <laughs> well, he, okay. So and that's kind of the way I saw back to the future as a kid. I mean, well, back to the future is, is of, like a great action adventure movie, right? Yes. And it, but it, it's trying to be an action, but it's adventure more movie. of a comedy than, you know, I saw it as an action adventure movie as a kid. And then growing up now, I see it as more of a comedy character kind of movie. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, but you There's know, really not that much action, but like action. this movie was not a comedy for me at 12 years old. This, it does have a lot more action than most. This <laughs> movie was like satires. a badass action movie that I watched repeatedly. Like I watched this a lot um, <laughs> because I thought this, the design of the spaceships were cool. Yeah. Every 12 year old wants to like, fire assault rifles like cool mm-hmm. like looking alien they do. guns <laughs> i think you do maybe like, you do <laughs> i think you certainly like otherwise nerf guns wouldn't be a thing like <laughs> yes, yeah. like there is like there's an inherent joy of like the space like the space cowboyness of this movie yeah yeah and i mean it was why... kind of filling the void that star wars i mean there's you know it was before the prequels and and you know there had been there wasn't really a lot of science fiction blockbuster 
outer space type movies, except for and, and maybe Independence Day. Maybe that's how this got financed. But you watch it now, as I did, mm-hmm. and it's just like you just can't. It's so hard. Like it's so obvious that it's satirical. Mm-hmm. But at the same time. Like, I, here's my problem with Starship Troopers. I think it's a movie that wants to have its cake and eat it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, it wants to have a goofy, dumb action movie, but anytime you try to criticize it for being goofy and dumb, you can have the person be like, well, well, actually, it's actually a very smart uh, satire of uh, 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 authoritarianism in, you know, and fascism and all that kind of stuff. Right. And it's like, yeah, but if that's the case, Verhoeven goes out of his way to make big-budget legit action sequences mm, yeah. that are not satirical in the sense that like, I mean, I mean, what about from an action level? Did, did you find some of these sequences impressive in rewatching the movie? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I remember, you know, the, the way he choreographs scenes or I think he does a pretty good job with action overall in general in his movies. I mean, uh, you know, even in a in a sexual thriller like Basic Instinct, I mean, I, I thought that was a pretty. It's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but I remember that being a well made movie. I mean, I think Paul Verhoeven is a good director. He's good with, uh, he's good with, um, you know, large scale set pieces and um, not so not really usually so great with the actual minor character work, in my opinion. But uh, you can respect what he's trying to do. I think. And, uh, you know, I, I guess I, watching this movie and w- even watching the action scenes, I was kind of pulled out of it. Like, like oh, I see what he's trying to do. It never really pulled me into it, you know, so that I really felt like I was invested in the characters, which I think is probably hard to do with a satire. Uh, but with Robocop, for instance, I was invested in that character, even on rewatch, um, you know, when I watched that, rewatched the movie a couple years ago. Robocop is a is a... Uh, a movie that operates, I think, the way this movie wants to, um, you know, but more successfully, in my opinion. So, and, you know, that has obviously a lot of action scenes, too. This has a lot of action scenes. I think this the the idea of having all these bugs, you know, these large-scale action scenes where you see, like, you know, thousands or hundreds of, I guess, thousands of, of enemies heading your way, and it looks semi-realistic. I mean, I'm a... You know, all of it obviously was computer generated, and the way you know the uh, the it seems like a precursor to Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones and other large scale action sequences that we're they're you know we're used to seeing now. And uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm obviously rambling on as I always do, but uh, I think I think they're okay. I mean, I think they hold up okay. The action scenes. What do you? Would, you know, some of the and the gory effects definitely hold up in my opinion. I think the movie looks amazing. Yeah. Like, I think that the special effects are on par with 1994's Jurassic Park as being some of the, like, mid-90s uh, mm. sci-fi... The creature uh, effects c- you're talking about. Totally. Yeah. Like, the C- this is a movie where the CGI actually holds up right. in a way that most movies made in this time period do not. Like, if you go back and watch The Mummy now, mm. right. like, you're like, oh, boy, that looks real bad. Yeah. But this, he does this smart thing where he, he knows when to use... If you've watched some of the behind the scenes on this movie, it's mm-hmm. really impressive because like there's like that big beetle bug, mm-hmm. you know, that, mm-hmm. that Johnny the, Rico jumps on. And, the brain like, bug. Oh, wait, no. Oh, I, oh, no, she you know, when he like, yeah. when he like And he throws the grenade inside of it. Sure, yeah. Um, they Johnny bi- Rico. <laughs> they built... They built a actual like car with that shell over it. So he was holding on to an actual thing, mm-hmm. and they like they so like all the close ups and even like the mid shots were like practically done. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, for the wide swarm shots, those are visual effects. It's just it's a really interesting um, 
I don't want to get too much of a tangent on VFX, but this is back when studios weren't overworked mm-hmm. um, in making visual effects. Mm-hmm. So that means that these companies would spend tons of time on these shots. Mm-hmm. And there were also less shots that they'd be really judicious about the shots that were using visual effects. So instead of there being a thousand visual effects shots in the movie, there were like 200. Mm-hmm. So it, it really caused um, them to really refine their craft. And you compare that. Uh, so what they did is they did this amazing thing where they they use stop motion, like they use puppets. Uh, they use puppets mm-hmm. to motion track the puppets for the arachnids' movement, like okay. marionettes or whatever. Okay. And then brought that into a computer and used that as the motion oh, for the actual bug so it, it's really really impressive um and i was kind of amazed by that but um the problem like the problem with the movie is i want to watch this movie and enjoy it as an action movie mm-hmm. and i can't because it's the satire gets in the way does right. that make sense yes because it's they make it very obvious that um that Earth, it's kind of it kind of represents the you know what we were experiencing now with the conservative, you know us versus them, and and you know we just need to worry about us first, and and you know them are ants and bugs, and, you know whatever, and uh, you know we have no concern for the other, and you know it's I mean obviously these space bugs are trying to you know send asteroids into Earth, and that's a bad thing, but the way people act, it's so they're so over the top about about uh, the military and getting very, well, know, I super mean, excited about being in the military. You know, it's almost like, it almost reminds me of, uh, and I actually forgot what I was going to say, but I was going to say it reminded me a little of Aliens uh, in the way that, you know, all these young recruits are it's kind like, of It's like, mar- it's like marine porn, right? Marine, it's like, right, marine porn. That's good um, but the, um, well, it's also like, uh, you ever see the movie Jarhead with Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Like in that movie, they show all the Marines um, the rise of the Valkyrie sequence from Apocalypse Now as a way to like amp them up, like oh, yeah. to like get them mm-hmm. like pumped to go into war. Yeah, which but, is weird. Because... <laughs> but, which is weird because Apocalypse Now was inherently an anti-war film. Right. So it, we, I, I come across this a lot with war movies where it's hard to separate. Are we, are we enjoying the war too much? Like. Mm-hmm. Can you ever make an anti-war film ever really? Because no. at some point you're glorifying the act of war in a way that... But I don't think that's what this was meant to be. I think this was an anti-fascist movie. It was with, with the uh, the goal. At least that, that was what I, I think. Away. Honestly, I think that's a way that as a critic you can dismiss any problem with the movie. Like... I guess, yeah. Because, but I mean, but that is, I think that's what he was trying to do, even if it didn't, you know, even if the other parts don't work. <laughs> okay, so let's let's start kind of from the beginning. Let's mm-hmm. actually go through the plot a little bit here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and try to, like, trace what happens. So the movie starts mm-hmm. um, focusing on, like, I guess, like a near-future type area. It starts, it's actually in Buenos Aires. Mm-hmm. Um, they never really make clear how yeah, countries Johnny work. He's Johnny Rico. He's clearly not, not Hispanic. Well, <laughs> that's the other thing. The whitewashing in the movie is crazy yeah. because... Casper Van Dien, who may be the whitest man He's imaginable, like, yeah. is playing Hispanic <laughs> along with along with um, uh, Carmen Abanez, played mm-hmm. by, um, uh, what's her name, uh, Denise Richards, who's uh-huh. also the whitest woman imaginable, oh, yeah. uh, are supposed to be like this Hispanic dream couple. The movie does this, it's basically the movie starts as 90210. Like it looks like 90210. It's 90210 yeah. in the future. Right. Um, and basically it then follows... Um, Rico, as he ends up 
you know, he follows Carmen to go into the military because he, in order to be a citizen in this world, mm-hmm. you have to join the military. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in order to do that, he follows her, but he's too dumb to do anything else. So he ends up with like a grunt, basically, mm-hmm. in the mobile infantry unit while she ends up going to, while the smart people go. Pilots. Pilots. Pilots, right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then it's just kind of about them facing off against the bugs in various situations. They have a massive defeat. Uh, the movie does this thing where it starts and shows the Battle of Klendathu and then comes back. Yeah. Um, Forgot about that whole uh, time. Time uh, jump thing. Jump thing, yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, it, so it starts making you think that our main character is killed, but then you realize he's only got his leg injured or whatever. Yeah. Comes back, fights, blah, blah, blah. And then it's just about them kind of taking um, victory over the bugs. Right. The, the, the thing that's so interesting about the movie is obviously, like, we're... I have a lot of conflicted feelings about this movie because as a kid, you, you root for the humans. You mm-hmm. want to see them defeat the bad guys. But the bugs are never seen – like we're the ones who have aggressed into their territory. Mm-hmm. And then we get – and then they like – either A, they fight back or it's even not even made clear that they necessarily sent the asteroid. Yeah, I wasn't sure exactly what was happening. Were we – were they – Already attacking Earth, at, 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 you know, before the. My theory behind it is that we stumbled upon them with inter, interstellar space travel, uh-huh. and then we got into a confrontation. Blah okay. blah blah. Um, so, but it's 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 weird because the movie's facts, quote unquote, facts of how evil the bugs are, are only presented through the propaganda news station that the movie uses as a narrative device. Right. So you're getting like this very I mean, like Fox Newsy yeah. approach. <laughs> to um this conflict so they like again going back to the satire you could view the entire thing that the humans are actually the villains here and they're Mm -hmm. the aggressors and they want to attack a peaceful colony of creatures that are now defending themselves yeah so it's it's a it's a tough movie to contextualize as an adult and that's my theory why this movie failed i think this movie just confused audiences i don't think anyone it because the only part of the movie that is so clearly satire is the fox news stuff like the little the little do you want to know more segments like that stuff is so clearly or it's like a little a little mouse it's like a yes. little website or something <laughs> that stuff is very clearly over the top like they, yeah. there's a scene where like kids are stomping uh roaches and there's like a woman gleefully oh yeah well screaming that's in the yeah that's where it's the satire is the most clear obviously was where they but the other the that stuff is and I, that uh, same technique we use in robocop I mean, if you remember. I, I haven't seen RoboCop in a long time. Okay, RoboCop had these uh, news anchors that they would cut to and they would, you know, or they would cut to these commercials of like a, a couple kids playing like nuclear war battleship kind of thing. Uh, so the same kind of technique, the same kind of satirical news station stuff was used in RoboCop. So, uh, I don't, you know, it's, a, it's clearly a thing he likes. No, it, it's just interesting because that stuff is very clearly satirical. But I don't necessarily agree that the other elements of the movie, like just the action stuff, mm-hmm. is as outright satirical. Yeah. And I think that's what makes it so hard to reckon with. The only thing I can visually call to is like Doogie Howser wearing like an SS u- yes. officer's uniform. Yes. He's like, yes. he's clearly wearing like, like a Nazi uniform <laughs> yeah. at the end of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and hat. And he's, yeah. Um, which is obviously not a mistake. But if you watch subsequent films in this franchise, um, well, I think I don't think I've seen any of the sequels. I may have seen parts of them. They are just standard like military action movies mm-hmm. that either drop the satire or it's not as clear. So it's like the movie found the wrong audience. Like it became a cult hit on mm-hmm. DVD, but it's kind of like 
it's kind of like people that like the movie for a wrong reason. It, it's, so the sequels abandoned all the satire you're saying? Uh, the first one I think definitely did. Okay. And so did the animated sequels. Uh, there was a feature that came out, I think, a couple years back that actually Casper uh, Van Dien came back for it. And that movie brought back in more of the satirical elements because it was directed by the film's original writer. But it's just interesting to like fight club got the wrong people took the wrong message from fight club Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people took the wrong message from this movie Mm -hmm. and i think it goes to show you how how hard satire is to do well and how hard it is to make both a movie that is entertaining but also works on that satirical level because at, at some point with this movie and maybe you have this reaction because you said you didn't find it super engaging Mm -hmm. is it's like you understand that it's a satire and like, yeah, I get it. I don't need to watch this anymore. Like I, this isn't, this isn't fun to watch anymore. I still felt like, you know, the overall story still has some momentum to it. You know, like it's not, it's not a bad movie for, you know, for sure. I mean, people who would, I mean, I don't know if there were critics that just called it a bad movie when it came out. Well, that's the thing. I mean, the acting is a little wooden. Yes. Uh, and you know, the gore is pretty, was pretty intense for the time. Um, but I mean, there's, you know, there's a clear character arc with this character that cast what was it Johnny Rico where he, he's a naive recruit and he becomes a leader you know and it's it's very clear what happens in the story and you know the good guys conquer the quote unquote bad guys in, in the end um, but you know you dig a little deeper you know the uh, the scene with Doogie Howser <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris whatever you know when he, where he when he puts his hand on the bug and he says he's listening he has these psychic powers it's a weird thing they add in the movie where there's psychic powers like they, these recruits have to learn to use psychic powers um, and he discovers that the bug is scared and he like looks surprised he said he's scared like the brain bug is scared they catch the brain bug and they don't kill him. And uh, he reads its mind, and he finds out he's scared. You know, and it's clearly like, yes, okay, so we're the movie is celebrating, is asking us to cheer, uh, cheer the humans uh, conquering the bugs by making them scared. You know, they're not really concerned with whether the bugs are all gone or dead, or whether the people have won. They're, you know, the last. I don't remember if it's the last line of the movie, but it feels it feels like the last significant part of the movie. You know, the movie is about us instilling fear into the enemy. And I know. I think that's the point they're trying to make at the end. But I don't know if you would really get that in 1997 when you're watching it. You'd be like, well, it's kind of cheesy. <laughs> it is, well, it, that's the thing. It's cheesy, but it's kind of inter- – it's like entertaining cheese, right? Like all this – all like the stuff of like the camaraderie between the troops I think is really fun and entertaining to watch. Yeah. Like – I, I find Jake Busey really fun in this movie. Yeah, There's a I guess. part where he's playing an electric violin for no reason. Yeah, it makes no sense. And like, <laughs> just there's Michael Ironside like chewing scenery. I like him, yeah, but I like he him is, in all of the He's movies. so like over the top in the movie. I, I, I don't know. It's just it's a hard movie to reckon with because I still like the lizard brain of me mm-hmm. enjoys watching men men on like a military mission mm-hmm. doing cool stuff and like flipping around mm-hmm. apparently johnny rico can defy gravity in the movie which is never quite explained what, when did he do that he like flips around like he, okay so you know when the <laughs> there's there's an initial football sequence which is like a oh whole, right the way they jump over it yeah it's that ridiculous. football <laughs> sequence oh my god like that's a whole movie in itself like <laughs> 
I guess that's why the movie is so fascinating is like that scene is never explained like how any of the mechanics of that football game actually work. Right. But later on in the game, he uses the flip six three hole, the move that he uses to catch the ball. Oh, yeah. To shoot the bug. So he's like able to like flip around and like defy gravity type stuff. And it's just kind of like, I don't know. I, I, I find the movie crazy entertaining. And I think like going back to what I said earlier, the satire just makes it hard it like it like sours the experience. It's like mm-hmm. have it's like eating a really good like having like a really good drink, and then someone be like, "Yeah, but I spit in that drink." Mm-hmm. Like that that basically this movie is. I feel like Paul Verhoeven be like, "Did you enjoy that cocktail?" Where well, I fucking <laughs> pissed in it. So I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> hope you enjoyed that piss cocktail, dummy. Did you enjoy that, and dummy? Then, and then hey, we're dumb, su- dumb. <laughs> and then we're supposed to go back and reexamine the piss. <laughs> yeah, it's just like. It, it, it makes you feel guilty for like enjoying something on a visceral level. Because I guess like, I, you're right. I mean, maybe he needed to lean heavier on one or the other. Like he needed to lean heavier on the satire, and needed to lean heavier on the I, action. Yeah, movie. I, I think he needed to make less of a good action movie. It was almost like it was split half and half, and it's like you can't decide whether it's satire or action. And it, it could just this could be like a studio thing, right? Because I think mm-hmm. I think the studio signed on for a fun, cool action adventure movie, right? And then they started like they get Verhoeven, who is. I, Verhoeven creeps me the f out, man. Like, <laughs> Why? D- he he's gone on to make some fairly decent movies. In the I'm past not few saying years. he's an untalented director. I think a lot of this movie is really well put together from like a sequence standpoint. I think he's pretty damn good. I just think he's a creepy guy who has weird pervy interests in all his movies. <laughs> like, has he made a movie that doesn't have is some it, kind of perviness to it? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I guess not. I mean, so. Okay, so RoboCop. I mean, I'm thinking of his American movies. RoboCop was the first. That's the one. only thing I'm familiar uh, with. Oh. Total Total Recall, Basic Instinct, Showgirls. Yeah, you're not. You're not. Um, you're helping Starship my Troopers, case here. Starship Troopers, and I forget what he went on to make after that. He made a Hollow Man. With, oh yes, um, with um, uh, Kevin Bacon, which mm-hmm. has got tons of pervy moments in it. Like just okay. like I haven't seen it, but, but. Um, there's Black Book, which is was actually that was good. Well, I mean, but then he's also got pervy elements to it. There's like full frontal nudity in it, sure. um, and then apparently he made a movie. I haven't seen it yet. L was a movie about a woman. Also just good. Got, but isn't that a, about a woman overcoming domestic violence, or um, uh, or is it, it's a movie about a woman uh, post rape? Isn't yeah. So he doesn't make movies like he makes dark movies right. about pretty serious topics. Um, sex and politics. Sex and politics. He's <laughs> yeah. like real into sex and politics. Like he's yeah. the kind of guy. Like I picture if you went to Paul Verhoeven's house, mm-hmm. he'd answer it just wearing a robe with nothing underneath it, <laughs> just... holding like a mar- <laughs> like holding like a highball. Glass. Is he wearing underwear or no underwear? No underwear. <laughs> like he's just he's always wearing a robe in my head. Come and, in, come into my house. And it's like you're always afraid the robe's gonna like come undone because you know he's wearing nothing <laughs> underneath it. So it's like that last scene in Bookie Nights. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> where they go into the drug dealer's house. But that's kind of what, yeah, totally. That's, ex- that's Paul Verhoeven. He's Alfred Molina in Boogie Nights. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, but maybe. It, I mean, and he's like a weird fetishistic filmmaker and he's getting that out on screen. The The reason this, okay, so like, it's funny with RoboCop because that movie was universally praised by everyone and it right. did really well at the box office. Mm-hmm. But RoboCop also has the same weird problem of, they're making RoboCop toys they're selling to kids. Yeah. And RoboCop is a like hard R movie. Were they making RoboCop toys? I don't know. If yes. They, I don't remember them doing that when it came out. I remember maybe with the sequels and there was a TV show of RoboCop. RoboCop. Do you think there was RoboCop toys? I think RoboCop, yes. We got to Google this. Ba- back in 1987? I don't think so. 
I think I, I would I, I highly doubt it. I feel like that movie was marketed in a weird way. I mean, I, to kids. I I remember you know so that was eighty seven. I probably didn't see it until I was. 12 yeah, or 13. Robocop, 1997, Battle yes. Damage Robocop. But yeah, they came out with 80, in 19 in 1997 or 87. 87, 88. You could buy the uh, the 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 mech thing. That's huh. its name. Interesting. Like, like it was, we did this weird thing in the 80s and 90s where we made these action movies that kids somehow got a hold of mm-hmm. and like recontextualized them. Mm-hmm. And Starship Troopers kind of fits into that banner a yeah. little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It, it feels. It feels like right now the world is a satire. <laughs> so Starship Troopers, to me, doesn't seem quite as deep as it might have a couple years ago. I mean, a couple years ago, like, wow, yeah, I'm glad we don't live in that world anymore. <laughs> but now, you know, uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, our, our president seems like a character out of Starship Troopers. It's so. very, it is very true. I, I think that. The movie satirical elements don't ring as true when they were like real Nazis again. Like right. it's it's hard to um, it's like in '97 it would have been really hard to picture that we would be where we are now. Right. Um, and I think that I think that just the culture has changed so crazy. Like I was having this discussion the other day with someone. Like the movie Ready Player One mm-hmm. that just came out. If that movie comes out five years ago, it does not nearly have the backlash that it has now. Mm-hmm. But now that fans have become so gross, like fans are so disgusting as like mm-hmm. people that like anything that celebrates like being a fan of something mm-hmm. makes me feel gross. Yeah. Because like, w- like the internet has spawned the worst of us. Yeah. And it, and St- Starship Troopers is kind of like, oh wait, this isn't so far it's off. It's almost anymore. like the internet is alcohol. And if you're like a bad person, alcohol is going to make you like a little angrier. If you're a good person, it's going to make you a little more mellow, a little more fun. The internet <laughs> is doing the same thing the <laughs> to <up>. the world. <laughs> the, the internet is like a giant cocktail. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's go back to the acting in the movie, which as you said, pretty is bad. pretty wooden. Except for maybe Michael Ironside. Uh, but even <laughs> he's like doing this over the top thing. That being said, like... I don't know how to describe it. I, I I can't classify the acting as good. I don't think you can objectively watch it. I and can't be think good. of a good performance in the movie. <laughs> but but they're also not. They also kind of fit. Like right. Like like. I guess. Let well, I me mean, go back and watch RoboCop and see and watch Peter Weller, Nancy Nancy Allen, and uh, who's the guy who plays the villain? Who's um, who was the dad on that seventies show? I can't remember his name. He was in um, he was in a uh, dead. Gary Oldman? Not Gary Oldman. Um, the guy who plays the uh, the real asshole. <laughs> I, can't remember. I can't remember now. Peter Weller, Nancy Allen. Hold on, I'm going there right now. Peter Weller, Nancy Allen, Ronnie Cox. Uh, also very good, actually, but he was he was uh, not the one I was thinking of. Um, no, there's a guy who plays like the, he, he kind of has a nasally voice and he's got the bald head and... and uh, Dan O'Hearlihy? No, no. Kurt Wood Smith. Yes, Kurt Wood Smith. Oh, he plays Clarence Boddicker. Right, yes. Oh, he's great. Uh, They've got a great villain. They've got Peter Weller, who's terrific before and after playing. You know, when when he's stuck under the suit, he's great. When he's, you know, just the cool cop at the beginning, he's great. Nancy Allen is great throughout that movie. There's... You know, and I think that's what helps Robocop for me hold up a lot better than the Starship Troopers. So if they cast like really good actors in this, mm-hmm. they, they didn't cast like Casper Van Dien after this mm-hmm. was like he was an actor that was cast because he's an attractive, he's like, he is jawbone could cut like right. through bread. Like he's got a real, <laughs> he's got like a, he's a handsome dude. Right. They cast 
clearly for looks. And so I, you know, who do you put in this movie instead? I don't know, honestly. Go but back. It, but but if you cast a better actor in the movie, doesn't that di- doesn't that diminish the satire even more? Because uh, then you I care don't... about the characters even more. I mean, it's, it would be a tricky thing, a tricky uh, balancing act. But I think that you could get a, a, an actor that you could legitimately legitimately care about whether there there's a romantic triangle in the movie you know will will denise richards go with the uh you know casper van dien or will she go with the patrick the guy with the, right the blonde haired guy or the brown haired guy whatever <laughs> will she go with the blonde haired meathead or the dark haired <laughs> meathead? dark haired meathead is supposed to be like you know the smart he's good the nerd with the jock right she ends up going with the jock at the end right because no. the, because the nerd gets his brain yeah, but I, I, I don't think it's it's made clear that they're getting together. At I mean, that point, I feel like he's moved past Carmen. You don't think uh, he's uh, done with her? I don't know. It doesn't he's mourning make... the death of Dizzy Abanez. It, doesn't... <laughs> it doesn't matter. Dizzy, whatever. Uh, yeah, it so it's a quadrangle, right? It's, it's a square. It's a love square. <laughs> where where they, one wants the other one, the other one, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's, it's funny, <laughs> like, with all the crazy violence, and this is how weird we are as a culture but the crazy violence in this movie did not phase me all that much i think the brain bug when you were 12 did not phase me oh that my much. god that that i mean i was older than you obviously and i thought i was uh 20 and that really well it's weird <laughs> it's weird the moments of violence that really get me in the movie one is the brain sucking out the brains yes. that that still is disgusting on a, a yes. whole other level the other one surprisingly it's when the drill sergeant breaks the guy's arm oh yeah now and, and when he throws the knife into mm-hmm. the other guy, like those like moments for some reason stuck with me. And then, but the biggest, the big deal for a twelve year old was seeing uh, the boobs. Mm-hmm. And, you, and, you, and it's really not. It's a really. It's funny in rewatching it. The sex scene is crazy tame. They don't even uh-huh. do anything. Yeah, like you don't actually see the sex. You no, know when you're twelve and you see, and you're a boy and you see. Boop. It was a huge I, deal I, for me. I could appreciate how... I mean, there's a lot of things you could appreciate about this movie. And I think a lot of them, actually, from what I read, comes from Robert Heinlein, where he envisioned this society that was, like, uh, multicultural and, um, you know, where men... I think he had this idea of... of there's actually a pretty multi... You know, there's a lot of different ethnicities in, in this in these cast. It's not all white. I mean, it's black, Hispanic, and, and white. And there's except men the and women characters. showering together. Yeah, except for the main characters. But, you know, they're all together in the shower. I mean, that was obviously... It felt a little new and interesting, I suppose, watching that at the time. Um, as opposed to something like Aliens, where they make the female characters feel like men. I mean, these women are clearly feminine and taking showers with the guys at the same time and they all seem to have the same level of respect or disrespect for each other you know in the you know the context of the military or whatever um so that part i found interesting but you know everything else was still kind of you know eh. <laughs> all the military stuff i didn't i didn't really buy the the Gary Busey's son, Jake Busey. You know, I, I look at him and I can't not think of Gary Busey. Just well, it's you, you the teeth, of, man. It's the teeth and it's the, it's the squinty eyes and it's the, you know, he's, he's, it's almost, yeah. It's almost like Gary Busey has been sculpted slightly better. I mean, someone took Gary Busey and like well, smoothed out. They waxed his face a little bit. They, they you know, smoothed him out. Um, yeah, I don't know. And, and also he was the villain in this movie Contact. He plays like this crazy religious guy in Contact. That, the Jodie Foster and movie? Jody, the Jodie Foster movie. I That's haven't like seen a, that in a long time. Yeah, I just remember him from that. And I don't know. One of those weird looking actors and it's a weird character. It's hard. It's, I, I didn't buy him as like the uh, the guy who was, you know, like, I'm your buddy. I'm going to stick with you to the end. I mean, you see Gary, Jake Busey and you think, well, that's a guy who's going to like, you know, kick you over the edge of the uh, wall and, 
<laughs> Get you fed to the bugs or something. I don't know. I don't know. He's a, he provides comic relief. His part is relatively small. Um, yeah, so I'm reading this right now on Wikipedia about the film. And Verhoeven said, regarding the book by whatever the dude's name was. Robert Heinlein. Robert Heinlein. I stopped reading after two chapters because it was so boring. It's really quite a bad book. I asked Ed Neumeyer to tell me the story because I just couldn't read the thing. It's a very right-wing book. So I think that he knew that the book was right-wing and he, he, he got, he just wanted to take this concept and be like, I don't know. I'm going to, I'm going to present to you what you guys think you want and then show you how disgusting that is. Right. It's kind of the idea. But again, I think that the actionness of the movie gets in the way from that. Um, because I think it's a genuinely good action movie. Like, yeah. I, 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 like as you were saying, like the the story, it's never boring, right? Like right. I, I never watch this movie like oh I'm real bored watching this. No, it's like it's super entertaining. Like they have act, there's it's paced right. There's action sequences. The special effects are good. Mm-hmm. They they pop in a, some some boobs every every little bit just to get <laughs> keep your like it's like it's like perfectly targeted to like a 13 year old's brain. I just point out that you are wearing a shirt that says I am progress and this is like the 10th time you've mentioned boobs. <laughs> I don't I think because I think the movie is clearly aimed at 14 yeah. year old boys right. but the problem with that is those 14 year old boys aren't going to understand the movie that he's trying to tell. Right. So anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> None yeah. of these actors really went on to do all that much either. Um, I mean oh, NPH no. is obviously still somewhat Neil Patrick Harris uh, is still doing stuff, yeah. but Denise Richards' career really fizzled, has fizzled out. She, right. hasn't, she hasn't done anything in years. And Dina Meyer, who plays uh, Dizzy, um, I guess she still does stuff. Yeah, there isn't a lot of like, hey, it's that guy or that girl kind of deal in this movie where you can say like, wow, that's what they looked like when they were twenty two, and you know they were an up and coming actor. Like you can go back and watch a movie like Platoon, uh, you know, Oliver, much different movie, obviously a war movie. Um, and see a lot of all these young actors. Like you can see Johnny Depp in there. You can see uh, Keith David in there. Um, you know, a lot of young actors. There's that... the guy who played Hank in Breaking Bad. In a oh really yeah, Dean mar- Norris is in this movie. Yeah, it's like a... I completely forgot. I mean, I wouldn't have known back then because. But he not. looks this. He looked. He looks pretty much. It's the baldness, I guess. When you go bald, yeah, <laughs> you just look bald the rest <laughs> yeah. of your life. Like you it's a look... real. It's a real like age stopper. Like, I guess, but I guess if you think about it, it was only like ten or eleven years before Breaking Bad. So. Uh, yeah, right. you're right. Yeah. No, 2008. Tw- no, it was Breaking Bad 2008. Yeah, I think so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, for some reason, Breaking Bad doesn't seem that long ago, but yeah, it I guess is. a lot of time has yeah. passed since that movie. Yeah, <laughs> ten years, ten years now. Um, which is kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, final thoughts on this film. I mean, according to there's been a like this movie has come back into the cultural conversation in the sense that a lot of critics have come out saying this movie's a masterpiece now. Yeah. Uh, there was a there was an article from the Atlantic that labeled this one of the top number twenty on the top movies of the nineties. Right. Like ne- no. the, so I mean, are how do you hold it in that? Like it doesn't hold that esteem for you. No, right? I mean I and I have trouble with reevaluating movies in that way sometimes. I mean, and usually my first reaction to a movie is it usually. Most of the time, how I, you know, unless I'm a little kid, like that was 12 when I saw this, obviously my reaction is going to be different. But I saw this as a 20 year old, and I think my, the way I saw movies was for the most part imprinted into me. And, and it, you know, my opinion hasn't changed that much. So as a 20 year old, you didn't enjoy this. I was a little more grossed out, you know, when I was 20. I think I would give myself a little edge. I would say I enjoyed it a little bit more now than I, than I did back then, just because of the, you know, understanding what it's trying to do. 
You know, um, I mean, I could I could see something was off about it when I was. I mean, because there there is. I mean, if you're if you're a grown if you're a grown up and you're watching this movie, you, something feels off. You don't necessarily know what it is, uh, and sometimes you need to go back and rewatch these movies. And I and I understand some people are going back and rewatching certain movies, Starship Trooper. Uh, Starship Troopers being one of them, and 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 thinking that okay, well, it's uh, it clearly has a lot more on its mind. But just because it has a lot on its mind doesn't necessarily mean it works 100 percent as as a movie. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, like I just I, this movie made me feel bad about loving this movie so much when I was 13 <laughs> or rewatching it now. I, I mean, it's, I still find it very enjoyable to watch. That's the problem, and I think I'm too ingrained in the uh, process of growing up and watching this movie a lot. Um, on VHS and stuff to close it out Verhoeven um, uh, when uh, what's his name um, uh, Michael Ironside went up to Verhoeven and was like um, why are you making a right wing fascist movie <laughs> and Verhoeven replied if I tell the world that a right wing fascist way of doing things doesn't work no one will listen to me so I'm going to make a perfect fascist world. Everyone is beautiful. Everything is shining. Everything has big guns and fancy ships, but it's only good for killing bugs. Mm. So it's just like, again, like, it, it's like you can't fault. If that's his intended, it's not like it's not like the room with mm-hmm. Tommy Rousseau where he's mm-hmm. co-opted what it wasn't intended to be as its intended message. Right. Like the room was never intended to be a comedy that everyone no. laughs at. Right. But Rousseau has gotten on the board and followed the money train and realized, oh, yeah, it was a dark comedy and like blah, blah, blah. And. I'm going to ride this train. Verhoeven clearly set out to make it this yeah. thing. Yeah. It's just, it, it's interesting how, it's interesting how messages can get lost depending on the audience that's viewing it. And yeah. the, the movie's kind of like that perfect um, encapsulation of that idea. Yeah. Um, all right. So any fi- uh, final things you want to say? Or what are we doing next time, Dave? Uh, I don't know, actually. <laughs> I think we're going to have to talk about that off air or put it out there for uh, for a vote. All right. Eventually. That sounds good. Um, and just subscribe to the feed. I guarantee there will be an episode. It just might be a yeah. month might be a week you never know with us we like to keep life interesting um dave where can people find you on the internet find me at daveglansproductions.com uh and on twitter at daveglans g-l-a-n-z and you can uh find me at ivan kander on twitter that's k-a-n-d-e-r um i write and edit for the website shortoftheweek.com as well um yeah so until next time um I say, I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say kill them. Kill them all! (laughs) But you really remember this well. (laughs) 